Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Portland-based jazz pianist, composer, and educator Gordon Lee. He has been busy lately with pandemic projects coming out in 2023 in the form of The Remainder and How Can It Be? Two new albums. We cover these albums, his life and music, and so much more. He is a longtime institution on the Pacific Northwest jazz scene, best known for his jazz performances and compositions, along with being active in many styles of music. He has been commissioned to compose chamber music and music for large ensembles from the Oregon Symphony members and the Amade String Quartet, big bands, and many vocalists. He's got refreshing takes on things. Enjoy this interview. Hey, it's nice to meet you. You've been quite busy lately. Yes. Yeah, I got to keep playing music, man. I'm compelled to, you know. Yeah. It's like my reason to be. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm trying to crank out as... And what can I say? You know, time's running out, you know, so right. I got to get out as much music as I can do. Yeah, you know? I get it. Well, yeah. speaking of time, I'm curious, how did you survive COVID and how did it change you now that we're kind of coming out of it? Yeah, well, it, you know, of course it was devastating. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon, and it was devastating to the musical community here. Um, uh, so uh, I... I consequently, though, I had, to, you know, we were all sequestered. And so I'm kind of locked up in my studio. Uh, and there's, you know, there's my grand piano. I got nothing to do. And there's my grand piano, you know, and, and anytime I practice, it always leads me to composing. So, so I had, I had lots of time and I decided to really uh, focus on, uh, on creating a variety of uh, repertoire, you know, new stuff. Uh, and then also, uh, one thing that was, uh, partly my wife's, uh, 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 idea was to put on concerts on my front porch, uh, not at the house I live in now, but the house I used to live in. And it was, uh, um, and it was the perfect situation. It was not a cul-de-sac, but it's sort of a quiet little road. So there wasn't a lot of traffic in front. So I would set up, I would hire a, a band, a quartet, and we would play music on my front porch, and the neighborhood came out in droves. You know, we had uh, upwards of 70 people sometimes, and they bring lawn chairs and beverage, and uh, they just hang out, and they had live music, and they were so starved for live music that, you know, it really went over well, uh, and, uh, you know, I had some wonderful experiences, and I had a venue now to play, you know, exactly what I had written, say, earlier that week, you know, so that was uh, that was really a, a boon for me. Well, talk to me about these two albums. They've kind of come out concurrently. How does it feel now to have new material out? Well, it's great. Uh, you know, I, so yeah, they are the culmination. Most of the stuff was written during the COVID times. A couple of things were written before that. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, for, I recorded actually the solo piano album first, uh, again, just cause I had never done that. And of course, it's a real challenge for a pianist to make a solo piano record. And I felt like it was something that was kind of missing from my, from my opus. And so, uh, so I did that, but then, um, uh, I had this terrific band, this great quartet. And so decided to record the quartet also. So how did this journey begin for you? How did you get into the music? Where were you born and raised early influences kind of thing? I was, I was born in Queens. Uh, so I'm from New York city. Uh, I grew up in Westchester County. Um, uh, but I moved out to Portland, Oregon, uh, back in 1977 after going to school at Indiana university and I met a, a musician there who talked about Portland like the promised land. And I got here and I started working right away. You know, I was in my twenties, mid twenties. 
and and I met some some really great musicians and was fortunate enough to uh, you know that they would hire me to play with them. I got to know Jim Pepper very well. Uh, and Jim Pepper, I still think, is uh, unique in American music history. You know, was the first human being to combine traditional Native American uh, songs, uh, words, with English words, with uh, melodies. He had a sort of a pan-universal style. He could play very much in sort of a gospel country blues. He played the hell out of the blues. Uh, but he also could play the most outside screaming you've ever heard. And he was able to integrate that all. And, you know, that was kind of amazing. I had, no one had ever done that really before. So I got to work with Jim uh, for the last 14 years of his life. Um, and, um, and then I got to, I worked also with a drummer here uh, named Mel Brown. I worked with Mel for over 30 years uh, at different clubs uh, uh, and was fortunate to have those gigs also. Mel had a septet at the end with four horns. So I got to write for four horns and, and rhythm section. And that, w- that was really a, a great experience too. And, and the thing that was great about Mel is we played, I have an album out on, on uh, uh, Origin 2 uh, uh, records called Tuesday Night. It sort of reflects some of the music, some of the material we were playing on Tuesday nights at Jimmy Max for 20 years. Uh, wow. we had, I mean, we had a few few Tuesdays off, you know. If, sure. If there was a – sometimes there would be a touring act that would come through. But that, that was a long time to have a gig, you know, yeah. and it was great. It was great to have that uh, kind of, you know, steadiness. It's not something that happens in the jazz world. So, Yeah. So speaking of gigs, what was the first live gig you saw that blew you away? First live jazz gig. First live jazz gig. Wow. Well, that would have to be Rasan Roland Kirk at wow. the Village Vanguard. Uh, this would have been in the, probably, I don't know, 1970, 69 or 1970. Wow. So the first, the first four jazz concerts I saw were Ross on Roland Kirk, Duke Ellington, um, uh, let's see, uh, 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 Miles Davis, uh, and Charles Mingus. And, you know, and, and like I, I didn't realize at the time that this would be the best I would ever, I mean, I was <laughs> way, you know, this, these guys, each one of those people was, I mean, their music was intense and beautiful, but they had just were big. They had these big personalities that that uh, completely knocked me out, wow. and, uh, and it really it really helped. So I, I'm fortunate. I saw Duke. I actually saw Duke Ellington twice, um, and uh, uh, I had seen him once. My my dad threw up his hands. He goes, "Oh my God, he's going to become a musician." Well, at least he should hear <laughs> some good music. So it took me to hear Duke Ellington at the Rainbow Room in Manhattan. Uh, and, uh, then several months later, Duke was playing a benefit concert up in Westchester. And, uh, I remember, uh, seeing him and he, he and the band were off to the side of the stage before they went on and all smoking cigarettes. And, uh, anyway, and here I'm a teenager and I'm, you know, gawking at Duke and he winked at me, man. You know, <laughs> he went to Kellington winked at me. Man, alive. And, was that the moment where the impulse traveled from his eye into my eye? And, you know, so I played Duke's music and I was a music teacher at the university for 20 years and we're talking about him every year. And it's like, is that, maybe that's when it happened, you know, that, that, that contagion there to play. You got jazz. the jazz transference. <laughs> exactly. It was incredible. Yeah. That's cool. So 
of all of these capacities that you've been in throughout the years as a recording artist, as a teacher, um, as, you know, a promoter, all these things, what do you look forward to the most? What, what is it that inspires you the most as a professional jazz musician? Well, I, I hear things in my head, you know, I imagine uh, music. And so bringing that into the world then uh, is, is very fulfilling for me. I feel like it's a kind of a spiritual uh, quest that there's something, some force that's, uh, you know, that's, that's enabling me to be the uh, vessel. And I'm not the first person. You probably heard other musicians say this too, you know, that when things are really going well, I just sort of open the valve and let this stuff come through. Uh, I have to say that performing is very gratifying to me too. I love to play, uh, love to play, uh, uh, for an audience, uh, and it's particularly to bring some new music to an audience. This, these are, you know, this makes my life worth living. So the backbone to all of this is the the love that you have for this craft. Why do you love jazz? You know, jazz is uh, jazz is the salvation of the world, really, because it brings uh, so many different uh, people and cultures, uh, backgrounds together, and and that's and that's the way it's been from the very beginning. You know, I mean. When Jelly Roll Morton said it's got to have that Latin tinge to really be jazz. I mean, you know, that was uh, over a hundred years ago. And so, uh, so this uh, idea, this acceptance of lots of different flavors and spices and tastes is what makes the, uh, really makes the music happen. Uh, certainly the category, I mean, categories are weird, you know, it's sort of they're thought of by record companies, you know, really, but, but world music is a definite outgrowth of jazz. And, uh, and so this idea of bringing different cultures together so that we're all, you know, uh, we're all communicating, we're all appreciating what each culture can bring. I think that's important. And I think if the world looked at jazz as its model, I think that'd be great. You know, that the whole world decide, Oh yeah, let's all come together. And and what do you have to say? And what do you have to say? And, you know, how can we say this together? Uh, I think the world would be a better place. What a unique, unique perspective. I totally agree with that. So everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, students, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Uh, well, the therapy see. question. <laughs> Do I like myself? Uh, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes, uh, there's always room for improvement. And that's another aspect about playing jazz. I think that's important is that, uh, you know, you could probably ask, uh, if you could have interviewed, uh, you know, John Coltrane after making a love supreme, was that as, was that it? Is that as good as it gets? And he go, no, I wish I could have done this story. Uh-huh. I mean, probably, you know, and so I think that that's part of the, uh, you know, part of the, the, the journey is, is the, the, you know, is important, is maybe the point, you know, it's sure it's nice to have the end result. So in my career, I've punctuated it with an album here and an album there. Um, but it's actually the process of trying to create that music. I mean, what would I have done with my time if with all the thousands of hours, you know, that I've spent, you know, playing and, and practicing and composing? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I would be a different person. That's for sure. But I feel like it's the best use of my, my existence here on the planet. So absolutely. Well said. So the, um, 
the two new albums are How Can It Be and The Remainder. Where can folks pick this up if they want to get it in the right fashion? Live shows, anything about your world, where can they go? Yes, uh, they're well, they're available on PJCE Records. You can get them through, through Bandcamp. Uh, they're on Spotify, so you can check out the music ahead of time. Uh, there are two songs that are uh, appear on each album. So there's a solo version of um, of Too Soon. And, and I, I have to mention this, too. Too Soon was written for our first drummer, Carlton Jackson, who was a uh, an incredible human being, a great drummer, a great musician. Uh, and he also had a, ra- a radio show on KMHD, the local jazz radio show that he did for many years. And was extremely knowledgeable about music. I mean, I, you know, I could mention something outside of jazz, you know, a, a rapper or, uh, you know, a country and Western band. It's, oh, yeah, I know they made this record. And, you know, it's like, wow, how does somebody know all this stuff? And Carlton was a beautiful guy. Uh, and he died very suddenly in uh, June of uh, 2021. And, uh, he literally had played all of the front porch concerts I had, I had done up to that point. So it was all through 2020 and into, and throughout the spring of 2021. And, uh, he did not die of COVID, but he did die during the heat dome that happened here in Portland where it got to 116 degrees. So, um, anyway, uh, we missed it was devastating you know we missed this guy and i seriously think he had the best jazz radio show in america you know it was just like you know he would always have a theme every week you know of, of what uh he uh, wanted to play uh and uh so anyway so we missed him terrible terribly and um so too soon is written for carlton in fact the whole quartet album is dedicated to the memory of carlton and um uh uh and the other song is Bozo Soaks on the Golf, golf Course, uh, and uh, which is written for a former president. Uh, and it actually was written before <laughs> January 6th. It was written in December uh, before that. Uh, but again, just, you know, <laughs> what can you say? I ha- I've already played that on the show, and I knew what uh-huh. it was about, and I totally yeah. embraced it. So I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I, someday somebody's going to get in my face and say, how dare you, you know? But it's like, no, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it, on <laughs> it's the clown it, Yeah, he is a clown. It's the perfect uh, epitome of it. So, yeah, really. Gordon, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for thank letting you, us into your world a little while. Sure. And best of luck with everything. Sure. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the interview. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Portland, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Gordon for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.